Hello, everyone. Uh, before you listen to today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that we had a bit of an audio problem during today's episode. You can hear that the gain on my microphone was way too high. It's still listenable, and I think it's still okay, but uh, I've since kind of fixed the problem. Unfortunately, we're still kind of working with the audio that we had from last week, so it is the way that it is. So I hope that's not too big of an issue, and that you guys enjoy the episode. Last time on Leighton Legends. Okay, you're going into the sewers. As you come past it now, the stone wall seems to be missing. Ah, uh, secrets. Let's head down. Up front, Giovanni. You enter a room with a large pool in the middle of it. Behind you comes a crashing noise, and you find that the way back is now blocked by a steel door. What? Can I put, push it down? You push the switch down. You notice that the clocks that are over top of the doors glow a bright arcane blue. Oh, shit. 20, 19, 18. Counting down, guys. Val presses the button, and before he does, you each put each of your hands by the door. Just as the door hits four seconds, you feel a slight movement. Zero. The door starts to lift, but it's not high enough. You can't fit through. And then the lights reset. The doors open on both sides. Hmm. Huh. Well, that was not nice. Let's get out of here and never tell anybody that we got stuck in this trap. And bathed in the pool. And drank bleach. It's not bleach. As you approach the end of the hall, there is an opening. Along the frame, it bears symbols that appear and then crack and float off of cobblestones and flow into the opening where they fade. A figure appears in the doorway and steps past it and towards you. 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 It's four days ago. You haven't received your first assignment yet, and the twists, turns, and smells of the sewer are far from your awareness. It's early, some would say too early, and Val is leaving Frederick Bolster's office on the west end of town. You recently finished some work for him, and you've just collected your payment. As you left, he handed you a bag and told you to return tomorrow for another assignment. He's got someone that he'd like you to tail. Leaving his office, you step out into an alleyway. The early sun is just cresting over the city's buildings, and there's a faint fog clinging close to the ground that is beginning to dissipate in the morning air. Val, you press your back up against a wall and bring the bag up to your head. Opening it, you catch the whiff of earthy rot drafting upwards. Mushrooms. Just in time, too, as you are nearing the end of your current supply. It's a smell that reminds you of your time spent in the forest, of days spent lounging by riverbeds, and nights spent under the canopy of trees staring off into the stars. You close the bag and look up, opening your eyes. Across from you, you see a human man sprawled against the wall, with crates on either side of him. He groans as you look up, pulling a shabby blanket off of himself and turning towards you. It's Trevor, a local vagrant that you've seen a few times and shared a few words with. He's a run-down older man who, according to your understanding of a human's lifespan, is in the later years of his life, six years or so by human standards. 
He looks up at you. Morning, Val. Back from a bolster job? You know it, man. What do you have to do this time? Uh, well, I think it's actually your business. Trevor reaches over to one of the crates by him and pulls out a corked bottle out from behind some of the crud. Unstopping it, he takes a sip and gestures to you with it. Want some? Well, sure. Bright in my morning. Thank you, sir. It's kind of a very, very dark beer. Um, and it's not carbonated. It's long kind of lost any carbonation it once had. But, you know, it's it's a nice kind of refreshing. and takes a little bit of the edge off to start your day. All right. He pay you in mushrooms again? The finest. <laughs> uh, one of these days, we're going to get off of these chains, Val. We're going to get out of them. He takes a sip from the bottle, some of the liquid spilling and dripping down his chest. Would you... Would you mind sharing one or two with me, just to get my day started? Uh, sure, friend. You've, uh, you, you've, been, uh, you've been a good sport. Thanks, Val. Thanks. Hey, uh, before you leave, there's some street word that might interest you. A few of us have stopped showing up. I don't know what's going on, but a, a smart, a smart man would stay sharp. Lest the chains find you. The mushrooms, or drink, begin to take hold of Trevor. His body begins to relax as he leans back against the alley wall. He breathes out in a sigh, and his eyes close as his hands lose their grip on the bottle, and it falls to his side, unstoppered. As you begin to make your way out of the alleyway, Trevor turns to you, and with the last of his lucidity, says, Thanks, Val. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. Mind, mind the chains. And then he's gone. Poor Trevor. You're in the sewers now, approaching the end of a long hallway where flakes of runes peel off the wall and float towards the exit. There's a blue glow coming off from off in the distance behind the opening, but it's blocked as a figure is stepping towards you. There may be 60 feet away from you in the dark, and you can't make out more than a broad outline of them. They step forward, and as they do, they begin to come into focus. What you thought might be a large man slowly begins to take shape in your vision. You can see that they're not standing as tall as you thought they might be. Instead, they're rather stooped and placing a good deal of their weight on a staff. They cautiously step towards you, using the staff as a gondolier might to move forward. They stop, maybe 40 feet away from you. Then they speak out. Their voice is quiet, but carries the distance. Have you come to kill me? Perhaps. <laughs> I recognize the voice. No, you don't. This is a a new voice to you. I'm going to hold an action. <laughs> All right, Mordecai. What would you like to do? If this figure makes any sort of attack move against Giovanni or Val, I'd like to hold Firebolt 
Now, are you doing this subtly or are you powering up? Oh, I'm powering it up. Like he's he's gonna brace his right arm and he's kind of holding his thumb and his middle finger together, like to match. Okay, so you're not hiding this from this person as they step forward towards you, so they can obviously see it. Yeah. Okay. Would you do us harm, sir? Well, that would depend. Who are you? Fair question. Why are you in the sewer? Well, I am Martin. I am a many things. I am a waiter, a watcher, and a warden. All when I need to be. Who are you, and why are you here? I am Giovanni de Chambre, a knight of the sacred object. We are here to cleanse the sewer of any foul evil that may be lurking within. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Mordecai, and the pointy is to my left here. This is Valerie. I- I'm sorry, Val, Val. You say you're here to cleanse the sewers. What do you mean by that? Work for the city guide. Ah, I see. So they step closer to you, coming into the line of your light. Much of their face is covered with shadow, though Val, you more than others, can make out from the dim glow of the runes that this appears to be a human man. Judging by the wrinkles on his face and the faint color of his hair, you might think that this man is in the later years of his life, perhaps 70 or 80. He's thinning, pale, and dressed like many of the vagrants that you've seen in the city. His clothes are dirty, long, and they drift close to the floor. Though I should mention again that he is still holding a staff, almost like it's between you and him. But he does step closer to you. Sir Warden, what are you doing in these sewers? Well, I've been here a long time. You shouldn't be here, though. I suggest that you... The man pauses as his gaze drifts past you, down the hall, and out of the dim glow of the hallway. His face becomes a stony mask. Hmm. It would appear that it's too late for that now. You'll need to follow me. There will be time for questions later. Why the rush? This place is no longer safe. Why? There will be time to discuss things later. I suggest that you follow me quickly now down this hall. Can I roll intimidation? Yeah. I was going to say, could I roll a perception to see if we can hear anything coming? Uh, let's do Giovanni first, because he's kind of in the conversation. Um, Giovanni, what do you got for me? Intimidation. Normal roll. 17. <laughs> nice. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Why must we follow you? I can see that you're not here to play games. Things are about to become very dangerous in this room now, if you don't follow me. And I don't believe it's a danger that some city guard are ready for. Fair enough. He almost got killed by some rat people. Yes. <laughs> so, Mordecai, what did you roll for perception? Got a 10. Is Mordecai the only one that's going to be rolling perception? Yeah, I'm, I'm satisfied. I feel like the second he said that this room was no longer safe, I immediately got skittish and started looking around and listening for other things. I believe, I, I, I believe he's referring to the clock room that we just left. All right, so you start to follow him then? Yeah. 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 Warily, warily. So you begin to follow him down the hallway here. And you recognize that as he continues to 
kind of retreat from you, he turns around and he walks hurriedly. He's not kind of playing around, very quickly running ahead. He leaves through that portal that you saw at the end of the hallway. But I'll give this to you because Mordecai did roll a perception check. So he perhaps was looking around as soon as this man, Martin, was telling you that you had to follow him quickly. Looking back, Mordecai, your eyes glance from the way that you came. Where once had been an empty hallway is empty no longer. Another silhouette outlines entrance from the room with the well. The silhouette steps forward slowly, but with none of the caution that Martin had shown. It comes in focus as you notice other shapes taking form in the entranceway. Val, could I get you to make a perception check, assuming that you're actually looking back as you leave? Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's 17. Okay. Nice. Val... You recognize the figure coming from behind you. He's stumbling now, but it's not unlike the stumbles you've seen him made before. It's Trevor, only it's not. You haven't seen him since the day before you were given your current assignment from Bolster. You've seen him in bad states before, but nothing quite like this. His skin is very pale, sickly even, and his eyes... They're hollow, like a body that's been found in the river. I'm going to call out to him. Uh, Trevor, a little too much ale today? The figure doesn't respond to you, Val. Mm. Val, who, who do you speak to? Trevor, uh, this, this man is Trevor. I know him as uh, uh, just a local friend of mine. We've, we've shared ale on, on, on many occasions. So Martin can hear that you're talking and has noticed that you have noticed whatever is behind you. And he says to you, we need to leave now. Follow me. Did you say he was going through a portal or through a door? Portal. Okay. I want to fire off that firebolt at this guy, grab Giovanni and Val by the collar and back up through the portal. Why are we so afraid of a vagrant though? This guy does not look normal anymore guys okay look at him it's just a common bum can i have you guys roll insight checks all three of you hmm. a skill i do not often use <laughs> it's uh, let's rephrase that giovanni that's a skill that you don't often do well at <laughs> hey 10 on that line <laughs> 21 uh 22 Giovanni, this man that you see down the hall, this figure that you see, you couldn't really be able to pick this person out of a lineup. They would look like any other vagrant that no doubt that you've seen in Renlin on many occasions. The type of people who hang out in alleyways and lounge outside of bars asking for change. Surely then we're in no real danger here. (laughs) But Mordecai and even Val... And perhaps this is this is worse for Val. You're not looking at your friend, Trevor. Maybe they were once, but you recognize that this isn't the same person you would see outside of Bolster's office. This is something very different. 
not something you can necessarily recognize, but you know that there is something very unusual about this being. And perhaps you might conclude that they look closer to a corpse than a human. Oh, let's, let's get out of here. Let's scram through the portal. Yeah. You follow Martin down the hallway, past the glow of the ruins on wall. Looking back, you can see that the figure that was Trevor is not alone. From behind him and through the door, you see others moving. You make out humanoid forms entering the room behind him. Some furry with long tails and recent cuts on them. Oh, Others like sickly humans with parts missing. You recognize them as the corpses of the rat folk that you killed and the humans that you found in the sewers. <laughs> I need everyone to make a perception check. Okay. Natural 20. Oh, another nat 20. Here we go. And 24 for me. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Those are some very, very strong rolls, guys. And they may have paid off for you. Behind the figures at the end of the hall, even further down, you see something. It's just outside of the entrance. And you can't quite make it out. But because you were so keen in your senses, you can tell that it seems humanoid. It's clad in dark, closely fitting clothes. But its arms and its legs are too long in proportion to its body for it to be human. Ugh, Slenderman. <laughs> the darkness of its clothes grows over its head and out from under a hood. You can see a pale yellow mask concealing its face. The mask protrudes from the darkness of the cowl and a sharp beak, like that of a plague doctor. Its eyes. You can't see its eyes, but you feel they're cold. The mask twists into focus and faces you, making the contact with the darkness behind the eye slits. I need all three of you now to make a wisdom saving throw. Come on. Money no whammy. Oh, crap. That's a 10. Uh, 16 for me. 15 for me. Val, you make eye contact with whatever is behind that mask. It phases you, but you're able to push past as your heart begins to race faster. Mordecai and Giovanni, though, the only way to describe it is that you're frightened. But in D&D... Frightened is a condition for characters that means something different than just perhaps an emotional thing. A frightened creature has disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls, while the source of its fear is within line of sight. You see this thing at the end of the hallway, you make eye contact with it, and you can't be there any longer. It is something that makes your heart stop frozen, which perhaps for Giovanni is a greater concern than even Mordecai. Mordecai is a creature of the street. He is someone who is used to keeping to himself and trying to avoid trouble when he sees it, but for a paladin, for someone who is meant to go out and face evil and fight injustice, it is a otherworldly experience to you. You need to leave. You need to leave this room. We are not prepared to face this foe, but let us make haste to escape. I want to grab Val by his shawl and Giovanni by his tunic and start pulling them towards the door with all effort. 
We gotta get out of here now. Are you guys resisting this at all? No, no. Hell. No, I want to add my strength. I want to add an athletics to get out of there. I'm so scared. I got a 14. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just I'm pulling on them with with as much strength as I have, which is zero. This has all occurred in the space of a few moments of time, but the creatures at the end of the hall are moving towards you, and they're gaining speed as they begin to adjust to the hallway. But you manage to, through strength of fear or strength of will, pull yourself quickly and dash after Martin at the end of the hallway. Hello everyone, sorry to interrupt the action, but I just have a few announcements to make. First, sorry for the audio quality from my mic. I did my best to clean it up, and it shouldn't be a problem in the future. I just hope that it's not too distracting from the story right now. A few people have been asking about some of the programs that we use for recording and playing the game, and I thought I'd mention them here in case anyone wants to look into them. For recording, we primarily record in Discord using a program called Craig. Yeah, it, it's called Craig, to record our audio. The audio is then downloaded by me, and I mix everything together in Audacity. Most of the music is written by John, but there are a few cases, such as some of the creepy music that I included in this episode, where I use some royalty-free stuff that Brendan sent me. Additionally, for playing the game, we primarily use Roll20 for creating a visual that the guys see during gameplay. There's a bit of a learning curve to playing in Roll20, but I found that it works really well for having multiple maps and keeping track of players' info. If you're a DM, I recommend checking it out for your own gameplay. Despite this, I know that the guys have also built their characters in D&D Beyond. It's a really good site for building player characters in D&D, and I recommend it to anyone who hasn't played before, as it helps simplify a lot of the complicated bits into an easy-to-use graphic user interface. It's also worth mentioning that all of these programs are free and easy to use. We're not sponsored by any of these companies, so it's just my honest opinion that you should use them if you can. That being said, if they ever did sponsor us, and boy would it be nice if they do, I'll let you know. I'm sure that they'll also provide me with a much more professional script than what I've mocked up here for my in-game announcements. If you're interested in becoming a character in Layton Legends, please like and share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram with the hashtag LateAndLegends, lowercase, all one word. You can tell we haven't had a lot of new characters in the last episode. It was mostly rat folk, and I didn't want to use listeners' names for those. But I do have a lot of characters coming up, so lots of names will be needed. Please share this podcast, and you might find yourself in the adventure. I'm also going to be taking items for the Garrison Storehouse. You might remember in Episode 3, the guys were skimming through a bunch of junk that Nathan, the storehouse clerk, had. I want to get a list of listener-generated items going that the guys can look through and buy. If you've got a good idea for a piece of armor, weapon, tool, or the like, send an email to lateandlegends at outlook.com with the item name, a description of it, and maybe some stats. It shouldn't be anything too powerful, and it can't be related to Giovanni's sacred object. I'll handle that. Additionally, I've set up a Patreon page for the podcast where listeners who are interested in donating to the podcast can throw in a few bucks. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash lateandlegends. There's no pressure to do so, but there are a few perks that you can get by donating, besides just a general feeling of warmth and satisfaction knowing that you helped a bunch of poor podcast fantasy actors, writers, people. Yeah, 
For $3 a month, we'll include your name in a patron shout-out at the end of each episode. For $5 a month, you get early access to the episodes before they even come out, as well as the patron shout-out. Everyone out here on the internet is suckers, waiting until Wednesday to get their latent legends fix. But you don't have to do that. You'll get access to each episode sometimes several days before they're supposed to come out. And for $15 a month, not only will you get the patron shout-out, not only will you get early access to all of the episodes, but we'll also provide you a one-time fan message. You know this spot here, right here in the middle of the episode where I make announcements? You could have your very own message, assuming it's nothing really rude. I'm happy to do that for you. Or I could even strong-arm one of the other guys into doing it. Whatever you want, you've earned it. There's no pressure to stick around if you don't want to, and you can cancel your patronage whenever you'd like. So that's it for announcements. Let's get back into the action. You leave the hallway behind, stepping past the glowing door and into an open, bright room. At first, you're blinded, but then slowly your senses return to you. The first thing you notice is the smell has changed. No longer do you detect the odors of the sewer system. Instead, you breathe in fresh air. Though it's stale, and your eyes adjust, and you find that you are in a large, bright, circular room. Wow. Ooh. How pleasant. The walls and floors are lined with pale bricks and tiles, though your gaze only lingers on them for a minute before you see that in the center of the room, dipping down from the entrance and away from the walls is a large, thick tree, its roots growing up in places and piercing through the room's tiling. Could I get you guys to make a perception check? Yes. It's a 19. Well done. Seven. Less well done. Is that a tree? <laughs> Some kind of shrubbery? <laughs> Look at the size of that rose. <laughs> uh, you, gotta, you gotta do something about your weeds in here, man. <laughs> uh, the 14 for Val. Okay, so Val and Mordecai. You see that the room is well used and worn. Around the outside of the tree in the center of the room is a raised platform of tiling, and built into the walls that circle this enclosure are bookshelves, with the occasional alcove opening into small rooms. Out of the corner of your eyes, you can spot places with workbenches and tables with paperwork on them. Welcome to the sanctuary. It's not often that Ash and I get visitors. You can... Rest here for a bit, and then maybe, in time, the entrance will clear. The old man walks over to a table and pulls out a rickety chair for himself. Uh, Martin, are you not concerned about those monsters uh, following us? Well, no more than usual, I suppose. They will try to enter, but they can't enter unless invited of a sorts. When we saw the runes and whatnot surrounding the portal, they look similar to what I have tattooed on my arms. Now, that's something that we haven't discussed too much. 
is the nature of the runes on Mordecai's arms. We, the players, know that Mordecai has tattooed on his arms uh, a great deal of runes, but we don't know the script of them, and we don't know the nature of them, or even why he has them. So I think that it would depend on what language those runes are written in, Mordecai. Yeah. Could you tell me what they are? Um, see, the only two languages I have are common and celestial. So I would assume probably celestial. So you do recognize that those runes do match many of the runic figures that you have on your own arms, but they're more extensive and they're more intricate than anything perhaps you or any tattoo artist could have done on your arms. Okay. I think uh, Mordecai is going to talk to this Martin guy. How long do you think before uh, that portal clears out? Because uh, I kind of got places to be, like pressing matters, if you know what I mean. Well, if you want to talk about pressing matters, I think you got something more to be concerned about, perhaps, than whatever's out there. Tell us what we need to know to vanquish that vile foe we encountered earlier. You saw... You saw the thing? Yes, it was terrifying. I was quite startled. Well, I don't think there's anything you can do to kill it. Sure, with a full rest and a a clear head, I would stand much more firm in defense of myself and compatriots in the sight of such a foul creature. What is it? What are its intentions? Does it seek the object? I don't know anything about an object, friend. That thing, that is or was... The doctor. Once upon a time, it was a physician of sorts. Then it stumbled upon some things better left alone. Now, it's a lich of sorts. Could I get you guys to make an arcana check? Definitely. I would love nothing more. This is to determine if you know even what a lich is. 13 for Mordecai. 14. Giovanni might be willfully ignorant. (laughs) Although he really should. Like I set this world up, is that the great evils of the past are kind of gone, right? Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right, sir. So it might be that this is something that you just haven't experienced before. I rolled 20. Holy cow. Val has. So Val, you rolled a 20. And perhaps this is because you belong to a race of peoples that have been longer on this world. But you recognize the name Lich. And you know that it is a creature of an arcane nature. It's a magic. A type of magic that is not often discussed in polite society. Martin continues to speak. You may not know what a Lich is, but I'll try and give you the quick run-through. A Lich is a universally evil form of undead spellcaster of great power. They are intelligent, and they are mad. A lich typically forms when a magic user binds their spirit with pure arcane power in an effort to tap into raw magic. In doing so, they shed their physical form, but the process is costly and the magician pays a heavy price. They can no longer die, but they have lost any humanity that they once had. Above all else, they are more dangerous than anything I suspect you have ever seen. You're darn right about that. Well, that sounds bad. 
I mean, this doctor is way too good at his job. He's bringing the dead back, man. Uh, Martin actually kind of laughs at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose that you could say that. But it's not something that uh, I take too kindly to. And certainly not something Ash takes too kindly to. Please tell me, how do we harm it? Garlic? Silver? Uh, lavender? Uh, hemlock? Fire! Fire? Fire's a good go-to. Lavender. <laughs> uh, maybe. No, there's nothing you can do. Maybe. Do you, do you want to know where you are? Do you want to know really what that was? Truly? I assume the resting place of some evil, terrible lich thing. Whatever that really is. I'm sorry, it's... Very hard to pay attention. You said a lot of menacing things in a row, and I kind of latched on to arcane power, and this is very scary. You lished, you lished on to. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this other person you keep referring to? Yes, Ash. Now, where's this Ash? Uh, this ash is it your tree? Is your tree a friend? Is it an Ash tree? <laughs> I suppose it's been a while since I've talked about Ash. Could I get you guys to roll a investigation check? And it's an investigation check on the tree. Of course. Ugh. A 16 for Mordecai. 10 for Giovanni. 18 for Val. So this is information you all actually get. Um, Giovanni just narrowly getting through. So Martin is kind of looking over at the tree after you ask him who Ash is. And your gaze lingers over there. You can tell that this is an old oak tree. And perhaps this goes to Val first, as he has a lot of experience with hanging out in the forest. And he knows many of the trees and all of their various breeds. And you can tell that this is an oak tree. Its trunk grows out of the tiling in the center of the room. And centuries of growth having pushed those tiles to the side. In terms of its size, you might conclude that this tree is the size of a large house, much larger than you've seen many trees, and its branches reach up into the ceiling of the room towards a light that you can't quite make out. It's about six stories high. Val, this is something that you pick up on that the others don't. You can tell that beyond its size, it's not a normal tree. Perhaps you might even think that there is something otherworldly about it, but you have a difficult time pinpointing what makes it otherworldly. The man gestures at the tree. This is Ash, and Ash and I have been alone here for a long time. Weird. Listen, Martin, I've been alone for a long time myself, but I, I would say I, I restrained myself to uh, one tree. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> <laughs> what makes you say that? I mean, just I mean, I, I I've lived by myself in the forest for uh, tens of years, but I mean, I I wouldn't as much as I love nature, and I and I really honestly do, sir. I I, I are you just tending this this particular tree in this nasty sewer, or? Well, Ash and I tend each other. You must have seen many trees, I suppose. Yes, sir. This, boys, this is the sanctuary. Ash and I have been here for a long time. 
but there's more to this place than just us. The sanctuary is a place that was built millennia ago by people who sought to protect the world from evil. Grand plans from great minds, I suppose. Or at least idealistic ones. For lack of a better word, the sanctuary was, and continues to be, a prison for those things thought too strong to destroy. That thing we saw out there is too strong to destroy. And perhaps I'll, I'll be able to contain it here. Maybe. Ow! The tree? The club it to death! If this was meant to contain such a powerful creature, how were you able to just stumble upon these ruins? These ruins appear, on occasion, in no one particular place. What? What I'm telling you, boy, is that you are not in any particular place. Mm, I can't say I follow what you're talking about. The sewer is just back behind that door, I presume. And <laughs> I lean over to Giovanni. I, I don't like what this guy's saying. This must be built out of what oak? Like, like the tree is a very strong door, and the, the bad man can't get through and murder us all and turn us into his undead puppets? Listen, I don't expect you to understand. I hardly do myself, okay? Now you listen to me! Can I roll intimidation again? Yeah. <laughs> I like to do my rolls before I go on a rant. 14, does that give me anything or no? Does he, does he overpower me? You can act as intimidating as you like, but this man may or may not be affected by it. Giovanni, don't harass the old man. You listen to me, old man. Uh, you better start giving us some straight answers here. I'm, I've had enough to hear with these riddles. I'm so freaked the fudge out by that monstrosity <laughs> that we encountered. And I just, tell us how to defeat it or how to get out of here, but quit talking to us in circles, please. You don't have to stick around here, I suppose. Is there another way out? No. Uh. <laughs> like I said, this place isn't any particular place in this sewer system, I suppose, that you seem to think you came from. The Sanctuary's creators manifested an anchor in the planes of existence, and bound it here to this place. Sometimes the door's in a sewer. Sometimes it's in an open box. To be honest, I don't really know how they did it, but it was done, okay? This place is a prison. These creatures, and there are many, many creatures, they're frozen here under the roots of ash, growing under the light of sanctuary. I suppose that's a lot to take in in such a short amount of time, but that's the long and short of it. I'm going to grab Giovanni and Val and be like, guys, huddle up. Head's in here for a minute. Yeah, okay, go have your secret meeting over there. <laughs> Sorry, old man. I think this man's insane. We must kill him before he feeds us to the tree. Okay, guys. I got a gut feeling here, and uh, this is probably just me, okay? But God sent us down here. You think they knew about this? They just trying to cut off the weak links or something? Are you talking about Joel? Joel? Are you talking about Joel? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I got I to gotta come clean with you guys. I did try and swindle Joel. Oh, that's... I, I don't care for the, any of that, but I don't care you less for Joel. 
I don't think his peasant brain could comprehend the interdimensional physics that this strange person is trying to explain to us about this tree prison. I mean, planes of existence, I, I get where he's coming from. I've studied this when I was in university, but I mean, only a little. Got pressing matters right now, man. I got a debt to pay, and this guy could have my neck if I don't get topside soon. You have a debt? Why didn't you say something? How many gold pieces is it? I didn't know if I could trust either of you guys, but you had my back down here. It's, uh, it's almost 300 gold. Got most of it. It's just I got to get the rest of the way, and I, I can't do that unless we get back topside. Good point. All right. Let's murder the tree and escape. <laughs> no? Val, Val, you got you to chime in here. I know you like trees. I'm on my way out to lunch here. <laughs> No, I think the tree is always keeping evil <laughs> trapped in this room, Giovanni. So unless you want to do an awful lot of smiting, we're probably best uh, not killing the tree. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, Geo. I'm, I'm. I'm with Val on this one. I mean, if that tree is some sort of lock that keeps the bad guys from getting out, it's less for us to deal with, right? I appreciate the metaphor of the lock. That's one thing I could understand. I mean, this Martin guy it might be a different story. The tree, we leave the tree, but this old man, I don't know. I know to piss him off. Can Giovanni detect evil in this room? Well, yeah, you can do that. Oh, what's it called? Divine Sense. Yes. So, Giovanni, you have cast one Divine Sense today. You have two other times that you can use that. Would one of them, would you like to do that now? Yeah, I'd like to use one now because obviously I, I could, it didn't really help me when we encountered the Lich. So I might as well do it now to try to prevent any more spooky surprises from happening. Giovanni, you reach out with your senses. And earlier today, you tried, and you felt something that was not of this plane. You realize now that as you enter this room, as best you can describe this, that the source of that was here, is the tree, but also above the tree. It's almost like there's a symbiotic relationship between the tree and some light that is coming down from above it. And you can sense that this is not an evil thing. Though otherworldly and perhaps frightening to see, you know that this is something that is not evil. But, Giovanni, you also sense something below, something underneath you. And it's like a cavern of awareness constantly stretching onwards and onwards. And you know that that is a source of great evil and pain and suffering, the likes of which you have never experienced before. And nor shall I plan to. We must take haste. <laughs> and also you can sense that there is no evil that is coming from this Martin fellow. But that's about as much as you can tell. Seems to be a straight shooter. All right. That, well, that, that was my greatest fear was that Martin would turn out to be a real real bad dude and really uh, gum up the works for us here. So now that I know Martin's a straight shooter, I kind of want to apologize to him. Is he, is he available? Martin is just sitting at his desk like over there, and he, just, he watched you guys walk away. He's like, see ya, I guess. Just hang out over there. Don't go out the front door. Did, did he observe me going to my unholy trance? Or sorry, my holy trench? So there was a moment where you kind of turned away from Val and Mordecai. And you were kind of looking around the room. You closed your eyes and opened them in kind of like a moment of meditation. 
and your gaze lingered on the tree and the light above it, and then below it. And when you looked back up, you looked over at Martin, and Martin was looking right back at you for what you suspect was the whole time. Well, Martin, I, I fear I may have falsely judged you earlier. I'm just quite exhausted from fighting rat men and running away from liches. And uh, I just need some answers. What what must we do to get back to our plane or vanquish the evil? Or what, what would you have us do? Well, there's not much that I really want from you. But the way leaving right now is not clear. We will have to wait for whatever it is that's out there to clear. At which point you can leave, I suppose. That's good news. Any idea how long that may, might take? Mordecai is certainly time-bound. Little bit. Uh, we're expected to report back to Joel, um, you know, or else they'll send other people into these sewers. Uh, well, I could be a minute. Could be an hour, could be a week. A week? I wouldn't be too upset about that if I were you. Are you implying I don't have more important things to do with my time? Well, I'd say that whatever better you have to do with your time probably wouldn't risk heading out there. I don't think it's up to us, guys. I swear, uh... Kind of took a beating down here, and I know that part of that's my fault. Maybe we should best... Our safe, I guess. I concur. A long rest could be beneficial to all. That's that's fine. I understand. I have some places set up here if you need to rest. I mean, this is, I suppose, been a bit of a big day for you. Um, do you have any questions for me? I actually uh, do. Um, mm. uh, value first. Mine is much more. Interesting. Hey, let's let's do this like in a um, lecture format. Like I was totally prepared <laughs> for me to just take in three vagrants today to just ask questions about me and my life. That's okay. You should be so lucky, weird tree man. <laughs> is there any place, perhaps, that we can uh, wash our clothes? Uh, me, my compatriots, and uh, certainly Giovanni have got a fair bit of poo on us. Uh, Throughout our, our, our rollicking in the sewer, so. Ah, you forgot my bath in the mystical Senor Clean Waters in that freaky trap room. Yeah, yeah you guys are kind of gross. <laughs> I would like a rebath. Uh, you know, we could use some more Senior Clean, but, uh, you know, I, 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 Val doesn't feel that was quite enough. Well, I, I mean, there is clean water underneath ash. Oh, tight. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Uh, Giovanni starts taking off his clothes immediately, but. I'd also like to ask a question to Marty. Marty, Martin, good sir. Just a quick question. Uh, we were kind, of, we're kind of new to this whole adventuring as a crew thing. Wondering, do you have any extra potions available for purchase, or just out of the goodness of your heart? <laughs> I haven't had potions in this place for uh, a very long time. Could not to ask. Giovanni proceeds to remove his clothing and get in that water just so can take it all in. Yeah, Martin's just kind of staring at you as you very explicitly just take off your clothes right in front of him <laughs> and then just start walking into the pool. Martin's a little weirded out. <laughs> well, he lives in a weird tree. I'm just I'm just practicing my sacred object religion of just being naked and bathing and being clean. <laughs> I can't rest dirty. But I, I can if I have to, but if, if I have the option to be clean and naked, 
sleeping with no objects touching me, that's the preferred way to do it. <laughs> I get real hard. I know. I, I went over this last week, and I didn't actually realize I made a, a hard joke about sleeping naked. I meant hard in, like, the... <laughs> The mental cognitive sense nope. of like he's yeah, very uh, yeah. accustomed to <laughs> hard space. When I, I listen back to it, I was just like, wow, I really put the dick joke in there big time. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Unintentional dick joke. I think uh, Mordecai is going to go over to uh, Marty and uh, I'm going to pull out my water skin. I-, I found some of this down here. You tell me what it is, and I pop the cork and a little bit out in my hand. Uh, Mordecai, you actually did recognize what this was when you were in the pool. Go for clarification. Sure. Martin kind of looks at this puddle that is forming in your hands, and you can tell that it's not quite like normal water. It's almost closer to like a, not necessarily an oil, but uh, it's it's very much adhering to itself and kind of rolling around your hand without leaving a residue. Mm. Martin looks at it and he turns to you and says, "Well, that's uh, that's Mage's Aqua. That's water for casting spells, ritual magic, and the like. It is what it is. It's it's weird that you're showing this to me. I guess did you not know you had it on you? Did you not know what it was? I figured as much. I mean, I got it out of that weird well. Um, it's it's been a long time since I've been around proper materials for." casting things you know yeah tell me about it right my uh my friends here they're, they're gonna take advantage of this place as best they can uh can i offer you some of this as payment it seems like you're all alone here martin's kind of affected by your words it's it's difficult to describe what he's feeling but he he seems to appreciate what you said and he looks at you and he says yeah all right i'll take it Done. So I'll, I'll pour out half of it or whatever for him. In what, your hands? A, a glass or something. Like, where, where, where are you getting a glass from? What do you do? You just pour <laughs> Here you go, old man. Down his goddamn throat. <laughs> I don't know. I just assumed he had something to pour it into. I still need a water skin. Just drink it. <laughs> Maybe, you know what? Maybe I should ask him. It's like, you got a glass or like a, a tube? I don't know. Something. Chug, chug, chug. Yeah, like half a coconut or. Uh... Yeah, yeah, all right. I'll... And, and Martin turns away from you and he goes over to his desk. And behind the desk, there are a number of bookshelves. As you've already recognized, a lot of this room, there are a lot of bookshelves around the place. Some of them are full and others are quite empty. But you can see that one of them has a number of vials on it. And so he picks one up that is clearly empty, along with everything else that is on that shelf, quite empty. And he turns back to you and says, yeah, of course it'd be uh, very much appreciated. So uh, I'll pour out about half the water skin for him, and I'm going to save a little bit just in case. Then uh, I think Mordecai is just going to find somewhere to like brush off his cloak and patch up whatever cuts and the remnants of his old life and just wait for the other guys to stop bathing. Mordecai, this water is fantastic. Wonderful temperature. It looks a little cold. I implore you to join us. I've, uh, I've had enough water for one day. I'll shower when we get back to the god barracks. Go lost. So you kind of turn away from Martin, Mordecai, and um, Martin turns to you and says, thank you. Here, I'll, I'll go grab you guys some stuff. And he turns to one of the alcoves and he kind of disappears inside of it. And when he comes back, he uh, comes back with a few blankets and he sets them aside for you guys. Here, you can rest on these for a bit. 
Martin turns to you and he says, well, if there's nothing else that you have, uh, I'm going to, I need to rest. It's, it's been a day. <laughs> I hear you. And Martin turns from you guys and he walks back into that alcove disappearing from your vision. Uh, I call to him really quick. Martin, how will we know when the, when the lich is gone and we'll be able to leave? Martin pops his head out of the alcove almost a second after like he walked into it and it was like, <laughs> see ya. And he's like, yeah, you had another question. <laughs> well, with the doctor, it's tough to say, but usually uh, he doesn't stick around too long. He's a quick kind of guy. You must be able to detect his presence then. You'll, you'll notify us as soon as we're able to leave. Uh, so Martin ducked his head out of the alcove and he turned to you to answer your question. And after a moment, he's like, well, let me check. He starts walking back over to the entrance that you guys came through. And he kind of looks around the side of it. And then he turns back to you and he says, yeah, they're still there. Ash usually lets me know and I'll let you know. Could be a minute, could be an hour. I'll, I'll check back in a, a little bit. Thank you. And with that, Martin turns back and finally, with a skip and a hop, turns back into that alcove and disappears from your vision. <laughs> what do you do? Mordecai is going to lay down and try and get some rest. Uh, yeah, Val, having uh, scrubbed any poo off of his uh, gear and his clothes and, his, and himself, is uh, going to lay down as well. Giovanni is going to kind of air dry a little bit. He's going to walk around and freak everyone out because he's a weirdo like that. And then he's going to like find a nice little spot to just like lay down and dream of objects, sacred or not. <laughs> yeah, all different types of objects. Some sacred, some regular. Sorry, just normal object. Hard, hard <laughs> objects. Just, like, <laughs> no, I would say that. It's not all sexual Giovanni, you know. It's just because he oozes that raw sexuality doesn't mean he dreams about it, you know. Uh, Maybe it's a coping mechanism for something he lacks or something he desires. You know, he's a complicated guy. I imagine that Giovanni, uh, you know, it just it, uh, sexuality just comes very naturally to him. He's not a sexual guy. He's just sexual from other people's perspectives, right? I tried to make the most basic, like, easy character I could think of. Just, ah, oh, paladin. It'll just be a normal paladin and stuff. But he just keeps developing these uh, personality traits and layers. It's wonderful. Would you <laughs> say his sexuality is objective? Uh, <laughs> uh, that depends. It depends on who you're asking. Well, it depends on what the object is. <laughs> 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 And with that, the three of you drift off to sleep under the arms of Ash and in your warm wool blankets as darkness, darkness, darkness. takes hold of you. And so that's the end of that session there. So here's a few things. You guys are now entering long rest territory, which means you get your hit points back and you get your spell slots back. Congratulations. Hell yeah. Hey, yay. We level up to you. But also, you guys are leaving the world of level two and entering the domain, the existence of level three. Three.
Thank you everyone for listening to our podcast. The next part will be coming out next week and I plan on sticking to a weekly schedule where episodes will be released every Wednesday mid-morning. If you're interested in hearing more about us, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Anchor, or Patreon as Late and Legends. We'll see you next week. <laughs>